So James 5, 14 through 16. Is any among you sick? Then he is to pray for the elders. He must pray for the elders of the church. Um, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered up in faith will restore him, and the Lord will lift him up. And if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. James? So we're wrapping up today our series on prayer. And we've been going now for a couple months. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope you have in some way. Uh, I enjoy it because there's one of my favorite gifts of, that I've been doing now for, what, 25 years is teaching and preaching. The reason for that is because every week when I'm teaching or preaching, my whole life is kind of just in whatever that topic is that week, as I'm, whether I'm teaching a book of the Bible or a topic. And so I get to live there. In fact, the times when I'm like taking a couple months off or times teaching it, it, it negatively affects me because I just love that constant expectations. So whatever the topic is, I'm just inundated. In the last two months, just to be fully focusing on prayer and engaging with God in this way has been such a beautiful place for me to be. Uh, so the last couple months, we've been looking at you know, fostering deeper intimacy with the Lord as we increase our prayer lives, of engaging with God in different ways and practicing different prayer practices and increasing our tool belt of prayer. And so we've looked at a few things, and I just want to highlight those for maybe missed, just a reminder of what we've done, because it's been about eight or nine weeks we've been doing this. But we started by looking at uh, our, our call is to dwell with God. That was going all the way back to the end of August, uh, that we are called to dwell with Him, that God wants to dwell with us, for us to be with Him. He longs for that kind of connection. And the first practice we engaged for that was practice it. we're practicing the presence of God, of how we can increasingly turn our attention to God through all of our days. And I hope that's something that we have grown in. It's, I, I recommend at the time, you know, putting a, a timer on your phone, or you can use the pause app you can get to remind you a couple times a day for that. But to increasingly uh, take time throughout the day to be aware of God's presence with them and to intentionally partner with Him throughout the day. I honestly don't know of a more important prayer practice to grow in than this practice. To me, this is chief among them all, is to not just make it a one-off, but throughout the day, constantly throughout the day, even just starting it once or twice and growing from there, putting our attention back to God that he is with us, and then inviting him to guide us so that we can partner with him in our days as we engage in the world around us, whatever that may be whether it's driving or, or showering or even having sex, right, or mealtimes, whatever it is that we engage with them, even if times of sin, of remembering God as we're maybe going down some disordered pathway, maybe whether, whatever it is, of getting drunk or lusting, or maybe you're, you're breaking through some boundary and you're married and you're flirting with some other person who's not your spouse, whatever those, in those times even, to be at that place of inviting the Lord, thank you that you are right here and watching how he changes our situation as we put our focus on him and engage with him. Again, no greater practice I know of that will help us to grow in increasing our awareness of God and partnering with him throughout all our days. Amen? Amen. And then we, have, uh, we looked at a couple different ways to pray through Scripture that are given to us in Scripture. We looked at Psalm 23, and we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And we looked at the, the beauty of being able to pray through those prayers. And I hope that's something that you've engaged in and continue to engage in, of seeing the incredible power of those prayers as we engage with Jesus and partner with him to invite him into our life, that, we, that his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And then the Lord's Prayer to focus on seeing him in the midst of whatever our circumstances are, that we do not need to lack, that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and that he, we do not need to fear because he is with us. Then we looked at Lexio Divina after that. 
which is just a practical way to pray through a passage where we read and reread and we kind of zoom in on a phrase or a verse that's there and repeat that throughout the day as we remember what God is calling of us. After that, we did kind of the, reflect, the reflective prayer of examine as we looked at kind of going back through our day with Jesus and reviewing it and allowing him to encourage us with the times we were aware of his presence and partnered with him, and then also then going back again, again through it and, and looking at the times where we missed out on opportunities to partner with him, where we, we missed him throughout the days as we grow in increasing our awareness of him, of partnering with him and seeing him move in and through our lives. And then after that, we looked at, a couple weeks ago, we looked at praying with our imagination, or Ignatian contemplation is another way that's said. If we seek to not just you know, look at it analytically, as Brian was saying, but to really enter into the text, to process, allow the Holy Spirit to bring the text to life and to visualize what was happening. We did this last week at our men's retreat, uh, which was an incredible time. If you missed it, man, you, you missed out. Please sign up for next year. It's going to be incredible again, but such a good time. And it was right there. Raj Velji, he was in our small group sharing about you know, Jesus's uh, command or his, his promised people that, you know, follow me and I have the easy yoke, right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And we were, we we're talking about that. And then I, I encourage our guys to basically do an Ignatian style complicated, to, to imagine that for a second. Don't just think about it. Imagine it. Imagine, visualize Jesus with an easy yoke and then us there right beside him. Because so often we just think, well, the easy yoke. No, it's, it's a picture. So visualize it the way Jesus intended it. If you visualize that image, it's one of my favorite passages to meditate upon. And I was talking about, okay, just visualize that Jesus with the yoke with a super heavy load, all the weight and things he's carrying, but he's got the weight and it's easy. And when is it not easy is when we pull away, right? When we imagine being yoked next to him and then trying to stop or pull away or turn away and look at the world or looking at the problems around us and not anytime we lose sight of him and, and you just imagine that just being yoked to him, holding on to him with him, walking step for step, the yoke is easy and the burden is light because Jesus has got the weight. But as soon as we turn to our own way, as soon as we try and stop and, and get focused on ourselves and get focused on our circumstances, all the rest, we lose sight of him, what happens? All that weight comes upon our shoulders because we're bucking against him in that yoke. But his yoke is easy, but in light, only when we walk in step with him, holding on to him, walking with him, right? The visualization of that is just so beautiful that changes our understanding of a passage. And so I love that form of prayer and engaging with God. And then we even finished this morning with Brian talking about... Uh, memorization and the beauty of engaging with God in that way. So we looked at a number of different ways, and today we're going to add kind of one final practice onto that, for at least for now, for this season. Uh, in fact, there, there's a great app I would encourage you, if you've not looked at it, there's an app called Lexio 365. Uh, it's a great app you can download on your phone. It's something that um, does different prayers throughout the day that you can follow it. I love it for my work. It takes about 10 minutes to be able to do kind of the morning prayer, which is kind of Alexio Divina, sometimes an Ignatian contemplation. And I do, my commute is 11 minutes. It takes 10 minutes to do it, and so it's a perfect way for me to do my morning commute in the morning. Uh, Lectio 365, it's pronounced Lexio, but it's spelled L-E-C-T-I-O 365, done by 24-7 Prayer International. An incredible app just as a way to engage and just listen to those prayers throughout the day. You can also read it, but as a way, again, to just foster that form of prayer. I love doing this to kind of practice Lexio as well as contemplation in those ways. So regardless of, of what you do for prayer, the hope is of these last couple months is that our heart for prayer has increased, that our, our, the toolbox has increased for us to be able to engage with God and invite him into those places. So right now, just take one minute if you've been here and turn to your neighbor and discuss what has been a, one of the more valuable practices that you have prayed in the last couple of months and why. Turn to a neighbor.
All right. So today we're going to introduce, well not introduce, I mean it's something you're probably familiar with, but we're going to hit one final part at this point in time. We'll, we'll come back to this again and do all sorts of more prayer practices, but uh, ours is going to come out of the prayer that Brian read this morning, I think for doing that, that we've talked so many times that we are called to be a body of Christ. And that image comes in, in so many different times, in different ways in, in Scripture, and that we are called to pray for one another. We're, we're called not to just journey alone. At least we shouldn't journey alone. But for too many Christians today, journeying alone has become the norm, right? Over the last few hundred cent- or last few centuries we've talked about before, since the Enlightenment, this has become increasingly common in our day and age. And, and definitely more common in recent years. And then with COVID, it just exploded this idea that we just journey alone as, as a Christian, that we, we, we do it all by ourselves. And for so many, they try and do this idea that Scripture talks about, to try and be an ear without a head or a finger without a hand. And apart from the body, then I got this thing on my own, I'm good. But we are called to be a body. This is why Jesus, even when he was teaching us how to pray, as we looked at a few weeks ago, remember the pronouns that he used as he taught us. He said, our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. This is how he teaches us to pray, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. This, the, from the very beginning, everything Jesus does, everything Paul says is about us and we together as a body. Almost every single time you see the word I in any of Paul's letters, it's because in the Greek language it works different than English, but it's always a plural I, almost always. It's not about me and my, it's us and our. There's no understanding in Scripture of an individualistic faith. That's about me and mine and, and, and only my things. There's no concept of God, of someone following Christ apart from a body. It doesn't exist in Scripture. Back then, if someone said they followed Jesus and were not connected to other believers actively following him and lifting up and carrying them together and walking together with them, if someone said, I follow Jesus on my own, there would be literally no grid for that. They, they, they wouldn't have any concept of what that looks like. You could not back then have an understanding of following Jesus on your own, apart from a body of people gathering with you, joining with you, praying with you in that way. And sadly, again, over the last few centuries, that's become so normal. In the last few years, it's almost been celebrated as the primary way that I can do this on my own. And again, when I say being part of a body, I don't mean just going to a church. That's some of that, well, that's just, you're just saying, well, because you don't want to come to church. That's not even, it's not even about coming to church, because you can come to church and not be part of a body. It's very easy, and many of us know that you can show up week after week after week and not be part of a body. You can show up, do your thing, and leave, and, and still not feel connected to the body. But we are called to be part of a body, to engage, to support it, to, to encourage it, to love it, to serve it, to lift it up, to journey alongside. And, and, and that's one of the reasons we heavily emphasize home groups here. And we want everyone to be part of a smaller gathering where we are walking with one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up, challenging each other. Serving alongside each other. Again, we are called to be part of a body. And as we're talking about today, that doesn't mean that we just journey together and care for it. It also means we are praying for each other. It's central to part of that. And that's what I want to be talking about today is, what does Scripture say about praying for one another? Now, this is a huge topic, and we'll probably have future sermon series on this as we talk about praying for healing and praying for favor, and we talk about praying for interceding for the lost, interceding for missions, and all sorts of other things. But today, what we're specifically going to look at is what Paul describes this as, as he, or how he does it as he prays for the body of Christ. So many times in Scripture, we are called to pray for one another. 
We see that from our opening reading when Jesus' brother James tells the church to be praying for one another. He said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Jesus, again, tells that us over and over and over again. But this morning, again, I'm going to zoom in on what Paul has to say about this. Because when you think about praying for one another, what are the circumstances under which we usually start praying for others? Under what reasons do we usually pray for others? And if we think about it, it's usually when something goes wrong, right? When there's a deep challenge or a hardship is when we begin praying for someone else. And that's awesome. In fact, that is the context of that passage in James. It's a passage of prayer for healing, right? That when you are sick, come to the elders and and pray or pray for one another when people are sick. And that's something we do and we will continue. And so they will do a whole series on praying for the sick and praying for healing and all that stuff. And it's why almost every service I finish and say, come forward if you want prayer and, and we will pray for you. And the elders will pray for you. And we do that and that's beautiful and that's wonderful. But the primary time that we tend to pray for one another is when something is wrong, when maybe a child is walking away from Jesus, or someone loses their job, or there's been a diagnosis of cancer, or maybe your kids have gotten strep throat for the third time in two months, right? That's, that's our journey right now, right? Just got the third round. Um, or someone's wrestling with depression or whatever it may be. That's when we, we begin to pray. And those are all perfect times to pray, absolutely. Galatians 6 says it very clearly. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we must bear one another's burdens. We must pray for people that are hurting. We must care for those that are are struggling 100%. I don't want to in any way deny that in any way. In fact, I had a wonderful time this past week with uh, Steve Bandy. We got together and uh, and, and did a a prayer drive-through of the area, going to each of the schools in the area, and just spending time doing drive-by prayer of stopping and just praying specifically for the Christians in those schools and the students that are struggling. It's just an epidemic of kids walking away from Jesus right now, and so much going on in the schools, and so we just took time to pray for our brothers and sisters in each of these schools and places, and we drove in the parking lots and just driving around and lingering. Lord, lift them up, encourage them, the students, the teachers, the administrators, anyone involved, right? It's just, it's beautiful to carry the burdens in this community. So we must be doing that. But also in Scripture, and we look at Paul, praying for another is not only for when life is upside down, but also when it's right side up. And our prayers should not be limited to problems. That should not be what causes us to begin to pray. It should be so much more than that. I mean, it's such a common practice to ask someone, you know, anything I'd be praying for you for, and how frequently does someone ask you that, or you ask someone else that, and the response is usually, ah, no, no, I'm doing okay. Because I don't have any massive problem in my life right now, I don't need prayer. Anyone feel that way? I mean, how many times at home groups do we do this? We do this in our home group all the time, go around towards the end. Anyone have any prayer requests? And people think, you know, what's the major things? Then there's a couple people who maybe share some really serious, heavy stuff. Maybe a, a sister having a miscarriage or, or someone's marriage is on, on, on the rocks or whatever it may be. And so we pray for those things. And as you're going around, you're like, well, I don't want to share because, well, yeah, but mine's not worth sharing because let's focus on the more important things. You know, let's, let's just pray for them. What they're dealing is really serious. I don't need prayer. In our group, that happens all the time because we're usually you know, very short on time with all the children, 30 kids running around and everything else. Um, but it's something, if that's the primary way we pray is only when there's major problems, our prayer life is very, very, very broken. Because that is not the predominant way we see for prayer in Scripture. And so I want to look briefly again at what Paul says about this. We're going to look at four different examples, and we're going to begin in the book of Philippians, and we're going to see four different times, there's more than this, but we're going to zero in on four, of where Paul prays for the body of Christ. And so let's start in Philippians, and Philippians, 
is, is a church that Paul loves. Now, apostles aren't supposed to have favorite children or favorite churches, just like parents aren't supposed to have favorite children. Uh, but he definitely had one, and that church is definitely the Philippians. I know a lot of your parents are like, I totally have one, right? I won't say which one of mine says. Um, but Philippians chapter 1 begins this way in verse 3. It says, Every time I think of you, Paul says, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. So Paul loves this church of Philippians, or of Philippi, the Philippians. He says that they, they are a faithful church that's been there the entire time supporting him more than any other church has. But notice how he begins this time in the prayer. He begins with gratitude. In most of his prayers, this is how Paul starts out, with gratitude. And therefore, this is how I've learned to usually start my prayers this way, especially when I'm in person with someone, of starting with gratitude. This is how Paul almost always starts, with gratitude. And he's also looking at, it's not just gratitude thanking God, but thanking that they hear this, they know this, they know how thankful he is for them, to build them up and encourage them in this way. It's so cool. To, with gratitude to li- build up and lift up. I mean, if I've ever prayed for any of you one-on-one, you've probably heard me, I almost always begin with thanking God for some aspect of, of what God is doing in your life or something that's going on. And why do I do that? It's, I got that from Paul, honestly. But why? Because what we see is Paul's heart is for people to, to pray for them, but also to build them up and encourage them in the body. And prayer is one of the absolute most beautiful times to do that as we trust the Spirit to guide us and lead us in speaking life over other people. And so to me, any prayer as I pray one-on-one with someone, I want to begin by speaking words of life over them as I seek the Lord with gratitude for their life and who they are. Whenever I pray for my kids, I usually almost always start with gratitude anytime we're one-on-one. To me, it's one of my favorite things to do is pray for my boys, especially when we're one-on-one, just with one of them. And as I begin praying, I always start the first couple minutes is just blessing the, the, the heck out of them, right? Just praying over all the incredible things about who they are and the way God has made them before I go on and continue in the prayer. So then he goes on with his prayer, and he says this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. God knows how much I love you and long for you, for I'm grateful with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying all these wonderful things. Notice, there's no rebuke here. He's not saying because of all the bad stuff you've done, now let's pray that you repent. That's not what this prayer is about. He's saying you guys are absolutely amazing. And then he prays this in verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So what is Paul praying? I've done kind of my little summary here, just, you know, your homework practice this week, the prayer practice, is for you to go through each of these passages and just kind of summarize the main things here and then pray those out. But what is Paul praying for them? First, he thanks God for what they're doing well. Gratitude. He starts there almost always. Next, that their love would continue to abound. Next, they would grow in knowledge and discernment. You can get all these notes right off the website under sermons and then sermon resources. Next, they would live pure and blameless lives, and they would bear the fruit of Christ's righteous life. Otherwise, they would live in love like Jesus. This is his prayer for his dear friends in Philippi as he prays for them, the body of Christ. So now let's check out what he prays for his friends in Ephesus. So first, when he signs off the letter of Ephesians in chapter 6, he signs off this way, and he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, Paul is abundantly clear here right in the end of Ephesians as he's praying for them. He first starts off by saying, pray in the Spirit when you're doing this. And this is important because he wants them to pray by the power of the Spirit, not just their own thoughts, but God's thoughts, to link in with what God is saying, to expect the Spirit to direct them. 
How often do we just jump into prayer with our own thoughts of what we know without taking the time to take a second and think, Lord, is there anything you want to say into this situation? Right? And it's why almost always when I pray for someone, I'll stop for usually, before I even pray, it's usually a 10, 15, sometimes 30 second wait before I begin praying because I'm just waiting. Holy Spirit, anything you want to say to this person, anything you want to speak in this, or I'll pause in the middle of it after I've prayed some things, just like anything else you want to say, Lord, because I want the Spirit to be moving and I want to be speaking as we continue to pray. But next he says, be praying for all the followers of Jesus all over, he says, and do it with perseverance. He says, this is not something that's just easy. He uses the word perseverance there. Or be persistent. The Greek word is perseverance. Meaning it's not easy to keep doing this. You're like, oh, I'm tired of praying. Yes, it requires perseverance. I was so blessed to hear that last week we have our, our prayer time that we do every Monday or every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And uh, Steve and I, I, I've been facilitating that. Steve's been doing that for years and years and years. It's been going on here for decades. And we're there every single morning. It's at eight, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. praying. And last week, most of us were gone. I was so blessed. I heard this morning that a couple people showed up last week, even though I totally forgot to give a list, forgot everything. And just faithful people persistently coming every single week to pray, regardless of how well or structured anything is, right? Just the persistence of praying and giving up that time, 8 a.m. every Sunday, to be there to continue to pray. May we be persistent in praying, even when it doesn't make sense. And then he asks them to pray for him for boldness as the apostle as he finishes that passage. Okay, so we know that followers of Jesus are supposed to be praying for one another. And not just empty words, but being led by the Spirit. But so now how is Paul praying for them? We saw that in Philippians. We saw it, and now we do it twice in the letter of Ephesians. And I want to look at both of these. Starting in chapter 1, verse 15, here's what he prays for them. Well, he begins and says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So notice again, what motivates Paul to pray for them? Is it because they're such a mess and they need his help? No. They're doing amazing. What motivates them is, look how amazing these people are. And so every time I think of them, I'm constantly in prayer thanking God for them because they love each other so well. And he begins again with gratitude, calling out how beautiful they are and all that they do that is beautiful and good, building them up and thanking God. Then we go to his prayer in verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. So what does Paul pray for here? Again, he begins by thanking God for what they're doing well. That the Spirit would give them wisdom and knowledge of God. That the Spirit would help them see with His eyes with the hope that they have in Christ. And they would see how incredibly glorious their inheritance is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And then two chapters later, he has another prayer for them. He continues. Verse 16 of chapter 3, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. What a beautiful prayer. So again, in this section, if I were to summarize that, what, what, what things are there? That One, that they would be strengthened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They'd be rooted and grounded in God's love. They would have power to grasp just how incredible and amazing God's love is. 
I love that one. That's my favorite prayer that I pray over my kids. After I have gratitude, I spend a lot of time, Lord, may they be able to experience your love and know it more deeply and fully. May it overwhelm them. I pray this all the time with my kids. They can hear me praying it as I pray that over them all the time. Lord, may they know your love. May it overwhelm them. May they never forget. I love it just the other night. I was praying with Caleb, my six-year-old. And uh, we always do this kind of joke. So I'm talking about how much I love him, all this other stuff. And I'm like, he's like, Daddy, how much do you love me? It's such a joke. We always go back. So it's, we learned the biggest number in the world is called Graham's number. And I love you Graham's number times Graham's number times Graham's number, which is bigger than Googleplex and all these big numbers. And he goes, how much do you love? I go, probably as much as God loves you minus maybe a few. He goes, that's not possible. I go, why is that? He goes, because God loves me more than anyone could ever conceive of love, or everyone could ever love me, Dad. He'd have to be like, God's, God, I think he said, your love might be what God loves me minus maybe like a Googleplex. Um, like, he knows that God's love, like in his little brain, he understands that God's love is that vast and that amazing, which I just thought, I got such joy from that. His theology is better than mine. Um, <laughs> one last book, I want to look at Colossians. Look at how Paul opens up this prayer in Colossians. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Again, why is Paul praying for them? Because of all the problems? No! This church is doing amazing again. All he's going on and on about how amazing they are. He is building this church up, encouraging them in such beautiful ways with not just gratitude, but using words that speak life over this church. I guarantee you they had some problems. But he's not focusing on the problem right here. What is he doing? He's speaking life over them in such beautiful ways. That's how I want to pray for people. To speak life over them in my prayers. The spirit-inspired, spirit-directed gratitude and prayer of thanksgiving for them. And he begins with thankfulness, encourages them, and builds them up. Do we do that in our prayers? Lord, as I have this chance to pray, I'm not just going to pray for the sickness of what's going on, but God, I want to build them up and encourage them and speak your words of life over them and call out the things that they're doing well, the things that are beautiful upon them. And then he has this prayer in verse 9. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Lots of words. So, again, your homework will be doing this as well, so don't just steal mine, but what does Paul pray for here? Again, thanks God that they're doing so well. And he's specific in that. He prays that the Spirit would fill them with the knowledge and wisdom of understanding. Why? So that they will live a life worthy of Jesus. He prays they would bear fruit in all of their works. That they would grow in the knowledge of God and be strengthened with His power. They would have great endurance and patience. And they would be filled with gratitude and joy to share in His inheritance. These are the things that Paul is praying over them. It's so good. So we've gone through this briefly, but notice any repetition in Paul's prayers, right? There's those themes he's praying all the time for people, and that's what I try to hit on as I'm reading through Scripture. What are the themes that are coming up? And so again, I'm asking that you guys do this as part of, of your prayer practice this week, but a summary that I put together this is that first, Paul thanks God for what, or sorry, thanks God for what they are doing well, right? He, he encourages them. He builds them up, speaks words of life over them. 
And then he prays a few specific things. I mean, a bunch, but here's the ones I saw as repetition. One, they would be empowered by the Spirit. Notice the constant emphasis for Paul that people receive and are experiencing the Spirit of God moving in their life. It's in almost every one of his prayers. It's central to his understanding is that they would, the Spirit would empower them with strength and power and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Paul is always praying this over the body. Is that constantly in our prayers as well for people? That they would engage with the Spirit. The Spirit would give them power and knowledge and understanding to experience more of his life because that was central to the prayers of Paul. Next, he prays for them to grow in the knowledge of God and how amazing God's love towards them is. And notice the emphasis here on understanding of who they are in Christ, that that would grow. That they would be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. You know, how deep and wide and long and high. And like all this language again and again, that would be overwhelming to them. It's central to his prayers that people would experience the love of Christ in new and deeper ways. And he's saying that to believers, long, beautiful believers. May they get more. Next, he always prays, almost always, for them to be eternally minded. They would not forget that they're here and why they're here. They would not forget where they're going and how the story ends. But they'd have to continue to have this eternal perspective, to, to persevere through anything, knowing the eternal reality of who they are and where they're going. And then he, they would practically live in love like Jesus, is often how he finishes his prayers. They would live this out. It wouldn't just stay as knowledge and understanding, but it would be lived out in their lives. In this case, he prays that their lives would be lived, lived worthy of Christ, that they would bear the fruit of the righteousness of Jesus, is language that he uses. All right, so... I love this. This isn't just a new prayer list to pray, but this is kind of my summary of how Paul prays for the people. And, and when I see that, I don't think we've changed a whole lot in the last 2,000 years. And this is kind of, it's always in the back of my head of kind of how I develop and I, as I pray for people as well. I love to pray for specific requests. I'm always praying for that, daily praying for that. And as a church, we must be praying for those needs. And honestly, I would encourage you, if you want to join us, come at 8 a.m. and hang out with us any Sunday morning. You're all welcome. 8 a.m. right across the way. We join every single Sunday morning. We're there. We're praying faithfully. And we're just what we do is we have a list that we pray through that's updated twice weekly of needs in our community. If you have needs, add to that because we're praying for that. We as elders and staff pray through that every single week. But then every single Sunday at 8 a.m., it's an open invitation. Come join us. Come a little bit early. Hang out with us. Help us pray through the body. What's going on in the needs of the community for the spirit to work, right? You can join us in that place. But it isn't just about needs that he's praying. He's not just praying for what is wrong but he's also praying for what God wants to make even more right. right? And I love that, to not just pray for what's wrong, but what does God want to bring even more in alignment to his beauty and experience more blessing? And that's what I want to join in. Not to just to get people, if you think the waterline, those that are trying to, they're dying and, and, and sinking and, 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 and drowning. And so we can get them back to a place of treading water. But how do they get to that place of life and moving on in the ways that God has? Not just not dying, but living a life of abundance the way that Christ called them to. Amen? That's what we're praying for. And so that's what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a few minutes to pray for one another. At least in a minute we're going to do that. There's no requirements here, but we're going to have you all pair up with somebody. Um, ask if there's anything specific you can be praying for them for. And then you can use any of the stuff. We'll put back up the summary. We'll have the summary up here of things you can pray for. You can pray for any of those things. Thank God for what they're doing if you know them well. Pray for whatever they, they share with you. If there's anything specific, they don't share anything specific, awesome. You ever felt awkward and so there's no praise and pray? But pray what Paul is praying. Just pray these most beautiful things. You don't even know what to pray on your seats of the prayer practice. Turn it over, and that actually has each of those verses. Just read one of those verses to them of those prayers that Paul prays. Just verbatim, read it out over them if you don't know what to pray. 
So for some of you, I know this is a totally normal practice. Others of you guys right now are freaking out, and I understand. Um, and so as we continue trying to practically live and love more like Jesus, it means we have to grow in caring for the body. And, and part of that is praying for one another. Many times in Scripture, we are called to do this. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And so that's what we want to do right now. So we're going to take five minutes, and I, you grab a neighbor. If, can I just put out a crazy request right now? If, if your spouse is here, Sure, you can pray for him if you want, but could you also look around, maybe not your spouse, just this one time? Uh, there's a lot of people here who aren't married and their family isn't here. They're singles in other places. We want to make sure everyone's included. Um, but also, we want a chance just to be able to pray for someone that you're not praying for uh, all the time. And I, I, again, I make an assumption that we're praying all the time for our spouses. Maybe that's a bad assumption. Um, but if you're comfortable, if you're uncomfortable doing this, that's okay. Just ignore me. Some of you have gotten used to ignoring me the last eight weeks. Uh, just ignore everything I say, and so just keep going on ignoring me and everything I'm asking you to do. I understand. Um, or if you're uncomfortable, you can just say, hey, not for me. I pass. Someone tries to pray with you. You can just, you know, hand to the face gently. Um, not right now. I'm not one of those weird cult people. Um, that's totally cool as well. So we're going to put back up Paul's summary here. If you don't know what to pray, just pick up that prayer practice, read it, turn it over, and read one of the things. We're going to pray for God's empowering presence to engage with people. We're going to pray a prayer of gratitude over people, for the, to draw them deeper into intimacy with Jesus, to impress upon them how deeply loved they are by God, to give them greater knowledge and understanding that our lives would reflect His. Amen? We're going to take five minutes. I'll turn with you, bro.
All right, if we could bring our prayers to a close. I hope that wasn't too weird. Um, in fact, maybe I hope it was weird in some cases if it's something to be stretched in. Uh, I know for some that was really normal. For some, that was one of the most uncomfortable moments of this year. And uh, I, I'm sorry for making it uncomfortable. Um, but my desire is for us to increasingly be people of prayer. To intercede for the world around us, yes, and for others, and that people would come to Christ, absolutely. But also for us to lift up one another regularly in prayer for the body of Christ. Especially those in your home group those that you serve alongside, those that you meet here on Sunday mornings and connect with here at church, and especially within your own family. And can I just say this again? If you are a parent, pray over your kids regularly, and not just from a distance in your quiet time with your hand upon their shoulder next to them, hugging them one-on-one with them, and pray out words of life. Follow what Paul is saying. Pray out encouragements. May they hear from your voice. So just the words of life over your kids. Fathers, mothers, you've got to do this. Pray words of life over your children. Pray out what they're doing well and the ways you see them pursuing God or pursuing the heart of who God created them to be. Pray that they would experience more of the life of Christ. Pray that the Spirit would move in and through their life and give them greater wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Pray that they would actually live out the ways of Jesus. That they would become and grow. If they're young, they would grow up to be men and women who pursue God and walk for Him and lead others to Him. But pray for your children, mouth to their ear, praying words of life over them. If you're older and you have older children, still pray for them sometimes where they can hear it. Sometimes older children need to hear it even more. Pray out the words of life of what you are thankful for, what God's been doing in their life. Some of you have waited, it's been so long since you've done this, you're like, James, that'll be awkward. But I please hit the awkward moment. Especially sometimes fathers are like, but I've never done that. It'd be so weird to do that. Be weird in this case. It's worth it. Your kids will be like, what the heck are you doing? You're like, I'm sorry, I should have done this 20 years ago. I should have done this five years ago. But I feel I want to do that. If you get one takeaway, parents, pray for your kids, not from a distance. Maybe over the phone if they are for the distance. But go out and pray for them. Pray words of life over them. Build them up. May they hear the pleasure, the way you delight in them. Whether they're 22, 82. Maybe we probably have any parents of 82-year-olds in here. Um, maybe we do, I'm not aware. Or whether they're just one or two years old. Pray words of life. This is something that, pray, that Steve instilled deep within this church for years and years ago is the heart of prayer as a body. And so we need to continue to fan into flame. Linger after services. Come early to services and find out how people are doing and pray for one another. And be willing to be prayed for. There's a pride within people not being willing to be prayed for. So often I've stood up and I invite people to come forward for prayer and people don't come and then I go out and like, James, would you pray for me? There's just some weird thing about somehow being seen and being prayed for. It's like there's a negative idea about that. We are called to be people who are praying for one another. It's our calling as bodies of this member, of members of this body, not of Northview, but of Christ. Let us pray for one another. And so the homework this week is on your chairs. It's available as a download. Please do the work. What I've asked you to do is basically kind of do what I did, but just fill it out for yourself. 
Go through and just, what are those primary things that are being prayed? And then do that this week. And take a couple times this week and do it in person. Again, parents, do it for your kids. Don't let this week go by. I don't care how weird or awkward it is. Break through the awkwardness. Amen? And then also, next Sunday, show up if you want. 8 a.m., we'll be praying in the other room. We'd love to have you join us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, that you created us for fellowship with you, to be part of a body. And it wasn't enough. I was just praying just a minute ago, Lord. It wasn't enough when, when Adam was created. You didn't look at that and say, that's enough. You said, it's not right that man should be alone. They needed fellowship. It wasn't just enough for us to us be in relation with you, but we needed relationship with one another. You created us to be in fellowship with you and fellowship with others, Lord. You created us as a body, not a bunch of robots or individuals but as a body, to build up the body, to pour into the body, Lord. And wherever there is today an understanding of individualistic faith, Lord, we pray you would break that this morning. We feel we can just do this on anyone that's watching online right now. Hear this prayer. If there's an individualist understanding that I can do this on my own, Lord, we pray you would break those lies. We are called to be part of a body. And so, Lord, move within our hearts where we've grown insular and incurvatus and say of that curving in on ourselves. And Lord, may we see the body around us and reach out and pray and pour into those people around us. And I pray for fathers and mothers that are scared. Lord, give them boldness to pray for their kids this week. Thank you, Jesus.